Good morning. Happy Pentecost Sunday. You know, as I was getting ready for this, I, I got to thinking the last time I was up here, I was giving my sermon to a camera because you were all at home. And God has brought us through a lot this year. Amen. So this morning, we are in week three of the Living and Loving series. Now, we're walking through the letters of the New Testament, and we're learning how to live with one another, peace, in peace. To live one another and live out the commandment that Jesus gave us to love one another. So in week one, Pastor Mark talked about um, mother's love. Jeez, had a moment there. And the mother's love and, and walked through Romans with that. And then and last week, he walked through Ephesians and talked about loving thy neighbor. And this week, I want to talk about, we're going to talk about Philippians 1, 12 through 14. And I encourage you that if you haven't caught up with the other sermons in this series, to go back and watch them. You can catch them in our Church Center app. You can see them on Facebook. They're also on YouTube. You can also find them on our website. So we've made them available in a lot of different venues. But today as we walk through Philippians 1, I want us to see how prisons of pain can be used for God's glory. Because there are painful things that happen in our lives. And we may find ourselves imprisoned in that pain and in a dark place that we don't even mean to be in. We can experience grief in many different ways. We can experience grief from the loss of a job, from financial difficulties from the loss of someone that we love dearly. We can face grief from the loss of something in our lives that we hold dear. Maybe someone in your family struggles with mental illness and there's a grief that comes with that. Maybe there's difficulties in your marriage or with your relationship with your children. All of those things cause great pain in our lives. So, as I've shared since I've been here, I've shared in, in many um, different ways things that have happened in my life, pains that have happened in my life. And I'm not going to go through all those because they're, they're great. And if, if any of you are new and haven't had that experience of, of of hearing that, I would love to sit down with you. Let me know. We can go grab coffee. Because in my story and in my pains, it has been beautiful to see what God has been able to do through that. And I love to share that. So now I'm going to share the bottom line early, and I'm going to share it often because I want you to get this. So our bottom line today is, Perspective transforms a prison of pain into a platform with a purpose. And we're going to th walk through Paul's story to see how this all plays out. So we're going to be visiting about the Apostle Paul. And if you're not familiar with Paul, you can read about his story in, starting in Acts 9. 
Toward the end of Paul's journey, the Jews wanted him arrested and tried. The leaders couldn't substantiate any of the charges against him, and so they didn't want to deal with people that were angry and the mobs that wanted him charged, and so he just remained in prison. And so that's where we're going to start today. So let's go ahead and we're going to go to Philippians 1, and we're going to start in um, with verse 12. But first of all, I want to talk a little bit about what Paul's prison was. Paul was in prison in Rome, and not only was he just sat by himself, but he was actually chained physically to a guard 24 hours a day. That couldn't have led for a whole lot of privacy, could it? He was allowed to have a few visitors, but the rest of his, the things that he was allowed for freedom was very minimal. That was his prison. That had to be painful. Paul's perspective, though, let's look at that. Paul had every reason to have a bad attitude. Paul had every reason to feel forgotten. Paul had every reason to feel betrayed. He could have just given up. But his perspective made all the difference in what happened going forward. So let's go ahead and start with verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, Paul could have taken a worldly perspective at this point, and he could have thrown himself one heck of a pity party. Have we been there? I have. I'm going to admit it. Worldly perspective could have caused him to become self-focused, angry at the world, and maybe even angry at God. Have you ever known someone that sounded like this? I have. I looked at her in the mirror every day for a good majority of my life. I was angry at everyone around me for what had happened to me. I was, I was angry and I held up walls. And I didn't let anybody near me and I sure wasn't about to step out those walls to be kind to anybody else. I felt very alone. I was sad. As a matter of fact, when I was in my early 20s, I was hospitalized because I attempted to take my life. I had it all planned out. But God sent someone into my life to see where I was at, and to see the pain where I was in. And I thank God every day that I was able to get help and that I can be here today. If Paul would have taken a worldly view of what was going on with him and how he was being treated, everything would have changed. Everything in his ministry and his mission and and the churches that he had planted, everything would have changed. 
But instead, he kept his eyes upward, and a godly perspective allowed him to use his pain for a purpose. Perspective transforms a prison of pain into a platform with a purpose. So let's look at Paul's, what, what Paul did. Paul wrote letters to the church of Philippi to encourage them while they were experiencing their own struggles. They had battles from within, they had battles from outside, and even in his own pain, he wanted to continue to encourage them. He wanted them to know that he was still there. Instead of withdrawing into himself, he reached outward. He looked past his own place of darkness to love on others. Paul continued to share the gospel as he was called to do. Paul took the the opportunity that he had to be chained to those Roman guards to minister to them. And for those of you out there that are math types, this one was actually kind of fun. So we figure if we do an average of three guards per day, so we look at that as 21 guards per week for two years, Paul had the opportunity to share the gospel with a minimum of 2,184 people. And you can bet he took those opportunities. Paul had every reason to be focused on himself. He had every reason to hold on to all of his hurt and all of his pain in that current season he was in. But he kept moving forward with purpose. He kept his heart focused on Jesus and sharing the gospel. And here's another thing in Paul's purpose Paul knew that others would be watching how he moved forward, how he moved through this season. Let's look at verse 14. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Other believers saw how Paul was living out his prison sentence as a mission field. This wasn't confining him. This wasn't confining Jesus. He was sharing the gospel. They were becoming more confident despite fear of persecution because he was an example to them of how to do that. He was in a place where it would have been very easy for him to be killed for sharing the gospel, but he didn't let that stop him. Paul also looked at his own prison walls, looked outside of them, to love on others. Paul wrote this letter to the people of Philippi to encourage them, even while he suffered. He knew that we were not meant to walk alone in our trials. He was not going to leave them alone to deal with this on their own. He was encouraging them. He didn't allow his situation to cause him to miss the opportunities that God was placing in front of him to share faith, and to encourage others that needed it. And you know, I I get the opportunity to see this lived out 
every, twice a year at least, in our grief share groups. So in our grief share groups, people come in and, and they're in this prison of pain and they have this, this hurt around them and they're their own solo, they're, they're, they're in this silo of, of pain. And they come together in this group with all these other people that have their own pain and have their own things that they're going through. And they're looking at each other like, why am I here? And over the course of 13 weeks, God slowly begins to open their eyes to one another. That even in their pain, they start to see the pain of the people that they're with. They start to love them. They start to to share and, and laugh and cry with them. I can't even tell you how many times we laugh and cry during a grief share meeting. But the beautiful thing that happens is, is that in their silo, when they move past that point and they go over to stand next to others, they're no longer alone. Because not only is their ability to love on someone else, but now they're standing beside someone as well. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Perspective transforms a prison of pain into a platform with a purpose. Now I'm going to bring this all the way around. And, and we talk about how Paul doing all these things, and, and you know, we got to kind of wonder, how did he do that? When we're in pain, and we're in hurt, and we have all of these things going on, how do we do this? This is how Paul was able to keep a godly perspective. Paul had joy amidst his suffering. Does Paul ignore his circumstances? No. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 6.10, he refers to being sorrowful yet rejoicing. Rejoicing in this circumstance was a choice. This was intentional for him. He acknowledged his pain but made a choice to trust Jesus that what he was going through was only temporary. And it wouldn't be forever. So what is this joy? You know, joy is often used interchangeably with happiness. But they're not the same. Happiness is dependent on on circumstances around us. You can't be happy and unhappy at the same time. But you can have joy and sorrow at the same time. Rick Warren gives us a definition of joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Every situation. In the valleys on the mountaintops, it is a choice to praise him. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. It is confidence in knowing that he is bigger than anything we are going through. It means praising him in everything and every season we are in. 
It is trusting that what Jesus did for us on the cross means that what we are experiencing here is not forever. Joy comes from holding on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Hope comes from believing that he will come again. Hope and joy give us peace. You know, and it, it, as, I was, as I was preparing for this message, something became very obvious to me. You know, I, I've, as I share my story, I've talked about the peace that God gave me after my son died within the next couple of days that he gave me that my son was with him. And now as I, as I read through this and I studied for this, I realized that that peace was joy. I was experiencing joy in my sorrow. He was with him. And he told me that. He laid that on my heart. And a mama's got to be happy for that, right? Even though the rest of me wasn't feeling very happy, but I found joy and I found comfort and I found peace in knowing where my son was. And I thank him for that every single day. John tells us in John 16, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. So why is this important? Because there's a good chance, actually I can almost guarantee, that you will either live through a prison of pain, or you will love someone through one. And I want to talk to you about walking with someone who is hurting. Because something that I've learned through grief share is that, you know, and, and through my own grief, is that often people didn't know what to say, so they just went away. Oftentimes we think that we have to, we have to be able to recite five scriptures that have to do with their, their situation, and we don't. Oftentimes we think that we need to have all the answers to be able to help them. And you know what? Here's the thing. You're probably not going to be able to give them to them because they're not going to be right for their journey anyway. What you do need to be able to do is just show up. Someone who is hurting, they don't need you to fix it for them. They just need you to come alongside them and just be there. You know, when I, when I lost my son, I can't tell you who came to the funeral. I can't tell you who brought dinners over. I can't tell you who wrote cards. So I was numb. But one thing that stays with me that I do remember 
is that there was a pastor at the church that I was working at over at Westminster Presbyterian, and her name was Val Putnam. And Val showed up at my house at 9 o'clock in the morning. She was right on time at 9 when she said she'd come. And she walked in and she didn't say a word. She came in and she sat down on the couch with me and she crossed her legs just like I was. We were crisscross applesauce on the couch. And she held my hand and we cried. And I remember every bit of that because I wasn't alone. So just show up. Just trust that you don't have to have the answers. People just want you to be there. So in closing, for those of you who are in prison now with some sort of pain, whatever that looks like, I pray that today is a turning point for you. We're going to open up the altars up here, and and if you want to come forward and just lay it to God, he has a purpose for you. He doesn't want you to be stuck in this. He doesn't want you to be imprisoned anymore. I pray that you will allow your prison to be transformed to a platform to live out the purpose that God has designed for you. I pray that you know that God loves you too much to leave you there. And for those of you who aren't imprisoned, for those of you who are saying, you know what, I'm on a mountaintop right now. I pray for you for eyes to see those around you who aren't okay. For those that you can come alongside and love on. I'm going to leave you with this quote. We cannot cure the world of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the journeys that you bring us through, Lord. I thank you for loving us enough to not leave us in the prisons that our pain can put us in. Lord, I pray that those who may feel trapped right now, Lord, that you would just speak to them. Allow them to release that, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that the rest of us, we get confidence to just, to just trust in walking alongside others and knowing that we don't have to fix it, Lord. That we just need to be present. Because, because Lord, something that we forget sometimes is that when others are praying for him, to show his face, sometimes he sends us to do it. And Lord, let us be open to that. Let us use our pain and and keep a perspective that's focused on you so that as we move through that, we still continue on our journey that you have placed us on. Lord, we love you. 
And all of this I pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.